Welcome to this episode of the UK Sports Chat Podcast. I'm Joe Williams and on today's episode I speak with Kevin Seward. Kevin is a Northern Irish marathon runner and teacher and he has represented his country at the Olympics, notably Rio in 2016. He also came fourth in the Commonwealth Games Marathon in 2018 and is hoping to be selected for Tokyo Olympics next year. Uh, enjoy this interview with Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Thanks for joining us. No, thank you very much for having me. I'm really excited to be here tonight. Yeah, it's great. Great to be talking to you. Cheers. If you can, uh, if you can hear the fireworks going off in the background, it's um, please excuse them. But it is, it is November the fifth. It is. It's it's brilliant for us. It's not so good for our four-legged furry friends. Uh, my my yeah. boy's not too happy right now. He's hiding under the table. Yeah, my my, we've we've got a cockapoo Penny. She's downstairs, cuddled up next to uh, next to my fiance. <laughs> Bless him. Cool. So, like I said, brilliant. Thank you for thank you for coming on. It's really good to really good to chat to you. I, obviously, I've done a little bit of an introduction there, but do, do you want to give us a bit of an introduction into yourself? Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm Kevin Seward. I'm a, I describe myself as a teacher first and a runner second. Um, yeah. I've been running for, for for all my life, pretty much since secondary school. So got in there quite young, um, and right the way through to now. Um, and I have to say that every time I go for a run, it feels exactly the same as it did uh, the very first run uh, way back in my St Malachy's days on the streets of Belfast. So I still get the same enjoyment from it. Um, I'm a, an assistant principal at a large secondary school in Leicestershire. And I'm also an Olympian. I represented Ireland in the 2016 Olympic Games. Brilliant, thank you. It's interesting you say you still feel the same as that as that first run. Now, um, I mean, surely that's that's a key to that's a key to everything, not just running, isn't it? I, I think that that excitement, that enjoyment. Um, I'm not going to pretend that every time I go for a run, I feel amazing, or even the motivation's there all the time, but. But but I certainly enjoy uh, every run now exactly the same as, as I did as, as a young schoolboy athlete. But you're absolutely right. I could say the same about about my work and my 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 employment every day. I enjoy that as well, and, and kind of makes it much more fun and much more inviting when you do get yeah. that enjoyment from from both running and, and from working. Yeah, cool. So are you are you the cool teacher in school then? Because you're in the Olympic because you've been in the Olympics. <laughs> I usually get asked that I win, and when I say no, I think the conversation ends quite quickly. No, I'm, I'm joking. Uh, yeah, the, the 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 children are are really great at sort of asking me questions about the Olympic Games and uh, and about sport in general. Uh, yeah. Quite a few of the, our students really do aspire to be to be involved in sport uh, at schoolboy level right through to the international level, um, yeah. where we're where we're positioned in Leicester. There's quite a few good athletics clubs and there's an abundance of, of other sports clubs. Um, we have some children who play academy football, for example. Um, yeah. And they like to kind of take away the key messages of what 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 can they do now to be better performers uh, in the future and to still be in the sport in, in, in a decade's time. Yeah. So, so you're, you're part of the leadership team in the school then, are you? Yeah, so I'm, I'm an assistant principal. I moved uh, to... I'm at Beecham College in Leicester. So I moved, moved to this school in uh, in August, actually. Uh, yeah. Switched roles during lockdown, which is a very unusual thing to do. Um, yeah. I've really enjoyed it. So it's a much bigger school than I came from. It's 2,500 students. Um, yeah. And we've got a, a, a really strong leadership team there. 
Um, so yeah, I'm involved in the leadership team and I, I also look after our special educational needs provision within the school. Okay, cool. So, uh, do, so do, you, do you still teach much then being in that position or? Yeah, so I, I still, I still teach. Um, I, I don't know if many, if many teachers are listening right now and what am I about to say? They'll, they'll say that's not much, uh, but I still teach. So I teach around about eight hours a week, uh, yeah. on average. So it's, it's not, it's not a huge amount. Um, but it's enough to really, cause I, I get so much from the teaching itself. Um, and being a PE teacher, again, the second gasps from the teachers listening right now, uh, being a PE teacher, I, I just really enjoy being in the classroom and, and working with the children every day. Yeah. Yeah. I bet, I, and I bet you've, um, well, I, I, I wonder if you've got an eye for spotting talent as well, but I know we haven't dug into what you do yet, but because of your background and because of how much running you do, if you can, you know, if you can just spot somebody with a bit of talent who's coming through in your school. Yeah, d- definitely. I think, I think if we, if you, if you think of the Mo Farah story and he says that his, his PE teacher was the, the kind of the catalyst for everything, spotted him in school and said, maybe you're not a footballer, you might be a runner. Um, yeah. And I think we can all kind of relate to that in some ways when our, when our PE teachers have kind of directed us towards the, the sports that we're now involved in. But definitely we've got some, some really talented students and, when I see them perform, I, I'm sometimes in awe of their talent and think I didn't have an ounce of what they have uh, of natural ability at their age. Um, and it's kind of nurturing that through to, to elite performance at a senior level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, brilliant. So I, I've um, I've lots of questions myself, but I, I also put out on Twitter, um, which I like to do when we have guests on. And, what, and one, of the, one of the questions is that we got asked was from... Uh, it was how oh how oh how do you uh d- 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 kev is a, kev is a vp in a school isn't he how oh how oh how can he get all his marking done and find time to train at the level he competes at <laughs> <laughs> i think i think i might have sneakily answered half of that so yeah. I, i'm sorry to the to the chemists and the mathematicians um, out there but my, my main subject is is physical education so i teach mostly core PE. Uh, and, and do teach some examination PE, but the real the real answer is um, even when I was teaching much much more and teaching more examination sessions, um, mm-hmm. therefore more marking, I kind of bought myself that little bit of extra time in the day by by running early. So I'm lucky now that I can I can run to work. Um, yeah. I, I do my ten miles cool. to work so, in the morning. So it I, kind of buys me that so, extra hour. Yes. Yeah. So how did how did you get into running then? Were you, were you have you always ran since you were a, a kid, or were you into other sports when you were growing up? What's your story? So I had a I had a good broad experience. So the school I went I went to St Malachy's College in Belfast, and and really renowned school for for sport and for music actually, but but mostly for sport. Um, and had a real broad experience of sports as, as a school kid. So played a lot of football, played some Gaelic games, and and, and other Irish sports. Um, yeah. and maybe thought I was a lot better at football than I, than I potentially was. Um, and, I, and I remember doing really well in the, the multi-stage fitness test. I know a lot of, a lot of children dread it, but I yeah. did quite well in it. And uh, Paddy McKillop, and at the time, the PE teacher, sort of said, I think you, can, I think you could be a pretty good runner. Uh, so I went to the athletics club, and uh, it was a nightmare. It wasn't, it wasn't the fun that he promised me. Um, I was trailing behind all these guys who've been who've been training for for months and years yeah. some of them uh yeah. so i didn't take to it like it like a duck to water but 
I think one thing I did have was I was I was really stubborn. I still am a bit stubborn, but I was really stubborn. So I didn't want to let go. I just yeah. kept coming back and kept coming back. And before long, I sort of let with running being such a straightforward sport. Um, the more I did it, the, the better I was I, I was getting at it. And it was probably around about sort of sixth form, so sort of sixteen seventeen that I that I really started to show the sort of talent that others thought they'd seen in me. Yeah. Brilliant. So, so was there a was there a specific race or something that you know really made you feel like you you know you had not only caught up with them but you were you were perhaps surpassing them then when you were at college? Yeah, well, I, I can remember going. I can remember going. Uh, I can remember going home the summer of sort of what, what we call fifth fifth year. So it's a year a uh, year eleven. Yep. And coming back as we our schools are through schools, so they're eleven to eighteen, and coming back as a year 12 um and running the the ulster schools cross country and i won the ulster schools cross country the the previous year as a year 11 in top top of that sort of intermediate age group i was about 52nd in the ulster schools so i came back over the summer holidays and i'd just grown up a little bit in general so physically and kind of emotionally i'd grown up a lot and came back and kind of had a good early part of the winter and went to the Ulster schools that year and was our first scorer and, and won the Ulster schools. So I think that was probably the turning point where I started to think maybe, maybe there is some truth in this and I do have a little bit of, a little bit of talent for running. Yeah. So that was probably the, the, the real turn point for me. Did, did you not believe it up to then then? Uh, well, I think, I, I think it was, it was context and context is always king. And I look back at it and say that the school I went to had quite a strong tradition of running. Uh, there were four by 1500 meter world schools record holders. And so when I was comparing myself to those guys, um, I was not doing quite as well in training and not doing quite as well in racing. Um, if I was to take myself out of the situation, that context, and compare it maybe to other schools, I was probably doing okay. Um, mm-hmm. But no is the answer. I didn't really believe it until until then. And then it sort of maybe rung true a little bit that potentially I could I could, I could have a bit of a future in, in athletics. Mm-hmm. So, so when when you finished college, then what? Where where was you at at then? Because you you clearly had a, a a career that you that you wanted to go into. So, what what happened next? Uh, not not a good deal, I think. So, I I through through sick form, I had quite a few good races and picked up some Irish medals and and some junior cross country vests, and then went off to university and I kind of lost the passion a little bit. Um. And that kind of that stumbled on for quite some time. It took me a while to really find that desire back, um, to really want to to want to race. I, I I did a lot of running. I think running's great, and I, I enjoyed going for a run, and I never lost that. But what I did lose was that kind of passion to want to go and race week on week. Mm-hmm. And for for whatever unknown reason, I couldn't. I still can't put my hand on it because it came back. It took time, but it came back with 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 a force. Um, but it just disappeared for a while, and so I kind of rumbled through university, doing the odd race here or there at at intervarsity type level, um, but not much to really to shout about um, until I came to Loughborough and for PGCE a bit later on, uh, and kind of find that find that fire again. So where were you at uni? I went to university undergraduate at University of Ulster in in Jordanstown, so Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. and did my undergrad there and then came across to Loughborough University uh, to do a master's in education or PGCE. 
Oh, okay, so did, did did Loughborough influence you then? Obviously, being you know the you know the the facility that it is, did that have, did that have play any part? I think it did. When I first arrived, I, I met uh, the late George Gandhi, um, and he kind of he spoke to me about the history of, of Loughborough. So uh, Sebco and, and all the great athletes that have passed through, but also the, the strength of the alumni that they had here that year. Um, and that they really were hoping to win the varsity cross country, and that if I could get myself fit, then I might have a role to play in, in winning that in winning bucks or or Busu, or bucks it was then. Um, so he kind of he showed that little bit of that little bit of sort of interest in, in getting me back running. So I went along, did some of the training sessions, and kind of just showed up for a while for, for most of that year, uh, yeah. and then got in with a nice nice bunch of lads and and, and sort of got back into to, to to running. It was it's kind of hard not to when every day there's someone to run with or there's a group to run with. And I needed that. I need that kind of company at that stage to kind of get me going again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, um, George Gandhi, I, I think, did, did he pass recently? Do I read that in athletics weekly? Yeah, he did sadly. Um, so it's about three weeks ago now. Um, yeah, he sadly passed away. He's a, a real beacon of, of, uh, of athletics and Loughborough. And I think he's, he's world renowned, isn't he really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, so you, so sorry to go back to college. Then you, you want some, you want some Irish fest, sir. Pardon. So go back to your college time. You, you represented Ireland at college, did you? Uh, so I, I represented Irish universities. Um, mm-hmm. I represented Ireland at, at a World Junior Cross Country. It was kind of the first, and then there was a gap right the way through until 2014. So, so 2003 to 2014 of not representing Ireland. Yeah. And then okay. in 20, 2014, I ran my first um, marathon and qualified for European Athletic Championships uh, in Zurich. And you did that in your first marathon? Yeah, so it's kind of a kind of a funny story. I know a lot of people, when they enter a marathon, they find out it was short, uh, get a little bit annoyed, but I was delighted because the, <laughs> the way I felt at 26 miles, I'd had enough. I was glad the finish line was there. Um, so I ran Manchester. Um, yeah. And at the time, I, we didn't know it was short. So I ran Manchester Marathon um, to help out a, a friend who was offered to pace him. And then he got injured. So I decided, well, sure, I can give it a go. I'll do it myself. Um, I've been running a lot at that stage, enough to get, to get me through, but uh, maybe not specific marathon stuff. So I was good for about 20 miles. And then I think the last the last 10K was something that, that I learned a lot of lessons there. But um, I got selected as a discretionary pick for the European Athletics Championships that year. And that's kind of where... My desire to qualify for the Olympic Games really came from. Okay, so so had you, so what was the gap between training at Loughborough then and and starting getting back into running in two thousand and fourteen? When when were you? So I was two thousand nine uh, yeah. at Loughborough, um, sort of getting back into things full sort of flow then. But it wasn't really until so I broke I broke my foot at the start of, at the end of twenty thirteen, and it was kind of then where I thought actually I miss not being able to compete. I miss not being able to to race uh, when I want to. So I made a promise that when I get back from that, actually I really want to try a marathon at some stage. So I'll I'll, I'll give one of the lads a hand and pace him the halfway in, in this one. So yeah. it was kind of yeah, 20, 2009 and then sort of to 2014. Uh, I was doing a lot of running, um, but maybe not marathon specific stuff. And then 2014, I I yeah, I decided that was the year I was going to try to try to run a marathon. Okay. So, so what distances were you running when you were younger? 
so I ran a lot of 5Ks actually as a school really? schoolboy athlete. So I definitely wasn't a natural 1500 meter or an 800 meter guy. I always leaned towards the endurance as opposed to being, being at the sharper end. Yeah. Uh, so I did a lot of 5Ks and, and, and 10Ks and cross country, mm-hmm. which is anyone listening now who knows me will, will know that cross country is not a word you'll ever hear coming out of my lips uh, with, with a fond memory um, or, or find me doing anytime soon. Um, but I did then and it kind of built a lot of the base for me. Yes. Okay. So, so you get to, you get to 2014 and you went, you went to Manchester to, to pace your mate. Did you have, did you have any expectation on what time kind of time you could run then that you could no, so when I when I when I entered the pace, the pace, my my friend, he sort of said he wanted to run around two fifteen. So I was thinking, well, I can run, I can definitely run, I can pace you for ten miles, maybe 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 halfway. And then when he when he couldn't run, um, I decided, yeah, I'll just I'll just run and I'll try and run as close to the front as I can for as yeah. long as I can, yeah. um, and we'll just see what happens. And if I remember rightly, uh, one of the one of the lads went way off the front and it was too quick, but the group kind of mm-hmm. were running around the bike sort of 5.20 per mile, there or thereabouts. Yeah. And I was thinking, this feels, this feels okay. Uh, so I'll just hang hang tight in here. Um, so my aim was really just to finish as close to the front of that as, as I possibly could. Uh, and I ended up finishing third in the race in the end. Yeah. You, what did you come in at? Uh, so uh, 2 hours 18.46 was, right. was the finish time. But then... I think it was. I think you tried to estimate how far short it was. So it was probably around about two nineteen, and two nineteen high, maybe two twenty low, somewhere around about there. Yeah. Um. So still, like looking back, so the, the, considering the work I did for it, and and I wasn't being coached at that stage, uh, I hadn't didn't have a coach. So the work I did for it, uh, to run a two twenty was was actually quite a good quite a good runner. But yeah, quite good. Um. <laughs> so you, so you had no coach. You you were. You were running with your mate. What 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 happened after the race? Then how did you know that you had you you qualified for Europeans? So I, I I got home and a couple of days later, uh, it was Commonwealth Games year as well. So Athletics North Ireland called me and sort of said, "Well, you're not too far outside the two eighteen standard for Commonwealth yeah. Games." Yeah. Um, and it works on a ranking system. So depending on other performances in other in other sports, you might be able to shout of of getting a, a Commonwealth Games in, in Glasgow. But in the interim, while while we were waiting for that to come back, uh, Chris Jones, it was was uh, director of endurance athletics Ireland. Then um, he called me up and said, "Would you? How would you feel about joining the, the team to run? We've got we can run six people at, at World Euro, or European Marathon champs. Do you want to? Do you want to go?" And I was like, "Do I want to go?" This is brilliant. Delighted. Yeah, over the moon. Really, really excited. Hung up the phone and thought, "Oh no, I've got to do this all over again." <laughs> I mean, I couldn't even walk downstairs at this stage. So, um, so yeah, the excitement was very quickly with very quickly replaced with uh, sort of a bit of memories of that last ten k and thinking about getting things a little bit better for the next time around. So, so I, well, there's all sorts of things to ask about that. So, what, what, <laughs> what did you think in terms of what one you work? Where were you working then? You you in a school? I was yeah, I was I was uh, teaching PE full time mm-hmm. at. Uh, school just at the end, just outside Loughborough. So I was teaching full time then. Okay. So so did you because you didn't have a coach then, did did you then get a coach? Not just then. So I went to Europeans first. Um and when I was at European Championships, I roomed with another Irish athlete called Paul Pollock. 
Yeah. Uh, and after the race, Paul said, uh, my coach is pretty good. You might have heard of him. So he tells me who his coach is and whose coach was coaching at that stage. And I was thinking, this this chap won't want to coach me, but 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 I'll ask anyway. And I said, Paul, would he would he be looking to coach another marathoner? And Paul said, I'll I'll give him a I'll give him a call and ask him. Uh, yeah. So it was Andy Hobdo. Yeah. Uh, and Andy called me back and said, "Yep, send me through your training. Let me have a look at what you've been doing, and we'll we'll have a we'll have a chat about it." So I sent it through, and I just got a message back. Just ha ha ha, you're going to run fast when you learn how to train properly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so right away, I knew it would be a good fit. So is this? Forgive my ignorance, but is this fairly typical that people go and run at the Euros and they haven't had a coach, or <laughs> they've kind of you've kind of just done it? Or are you or are you a bit of an anomaly in that case? I think it might be a little bit of an anomaly. Like I, I was, I know that as a as a young athlete, I was quite gifted and quite, and, and, and took me a while to realise that, as we said earlier. But I know mm-hmm. I had a little bit of bit of ability, and my ability was that I could run a lot and touch wood, uh, avoid injuries, not not get injured too much. So yeah. that ability was probably what you need to be a good marathoner. So naturally, I could run. I was I, I was running 80, 90 miles a week probably. Um, yeah. I could do that all year, um, and it was just yeah. kind of turning that mileage that I could handle into something that would be more marathon specific, and, yes. and make me a better marathoner. So, so how did you prepare yourself for those Europeans if you didn't have a coach? What, what... So, I I used Coach Google, yeah, and I and I googled some athletes, <laughs> training logs, yeah, and I and had a look through, and I and I said, well, what what of this stuff is looks like it's really important? So I said, well, the long run that looks really important, so I took that out. So yep. we need to have that. Um, and I had a look and said, well, how many of those did he do in this 12-week block that they have online? And they were, well, they do the really long ones three times. I said, well, I can, I can do that. So I took that out and, and planned that in first. And then I said, well, what else did he do that looks important? And they said, well, they're doing some intervals that are a bit shorter. So I'll take those out and I'll put those in. Um, what, how close to the long run did they put it in that training log? So I essentially built it looking at uh, things online. I sort of yeah. put a, a, an A3 uh, sort of calendar on the wall and just wrote on what it was I wanted to do and when I wanted to do it. And the sort of pace that I kind of wanted to do it at. So I looked at this, these guys, said they'd run 212. I was thinking, well, I can't run 212. Uh, but I wanted to try and run quicker than 218 at the time. So I had a look at what 217 sort of pace was. And well, that was the kind of pace I'd want to use for my long intervals and, and worked out paces from that. So I very much just pieced it together, like a bit of a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. Um, using what I'd, I'd learned from the sport as a young athlete um, mm-hmm. about rest and recovery and, and the importance of those days, but built everything else around around that really. Cool. Okay. So, so and what, how did you get on at the Euros? So at Euros that year, I was uh, 34th, so I was second at our score. Yeah. Um, I showed up, the, we, we, we went for a, a tour around the course beforehand. Yeah. And uh, they dropped us off at the bottom of this hill and said, oh, you can get the vernicular to the top. And I was like, oh, brilliant. This looks, this looks great. And yeah. as we're going up in the vernicular, they said, oh, by the way, you run up, the, <laughs> you run up this. Uh, so you can imagine the nightmares I was having for three days beforehand, haven't seen the course. They went up this, this kind of zigzagged a mile up this massive hill. So uh, around 2.20. Uh, was that a loop as well? Was it a loop that, that year? Pardon? Was the course a loop that year? It was a loop course, yeah. It was in Zurich, so it was uh, 10K laps. Uh, yeah. So we got that hill four times. Um, and, and and going uphill wasn't so bad because you can adjust your pace and kind of control it and run the effort. So similar sort of effort that you're running on the flat. It was coming down. So coming down for the fourth time, I'd had enough. I was 
I'm taking a skateboard if I could, if I could get one. Uh, my quads and everything just had enough of the running downhill section, so I wasn't really conditioned to, to so much downhill. Um, and that was a tough, a tough again, a tough enough last 5K, just kind of getting yourself to the finish line. But I was delighted that I finished second. I'd experienced my first trip abroad, really, to, to run in, in, in Zurich and um, my first real senior Irish fest. So I was taken back by the, the full environment and the full situation of, of really being there. Yeah. Go on, tell us tell us what your what your big learnings were then. Then, so I think the first one was to to kind of have confidence in the fact that I deserve to be there. So I spent the first couple of certainly first couple of days in a bit of awe of all these amazing athletes, and yeah. and the marathoners that were there were you know were truly world class athletes. So I yeah. think it was believing in myself a little bit more that you know I, I deserve to be there. I'd earned I'd earned my right to be on the team and and to, to run there. And um, that was probably the first one. Yeah. Second one is always check the destination of the train when you get on a train on your own um, because you might find out that it's gone the wrong way, <laughs> wrong way by, by, by quite some distance. And if you're really unlucky, you're going to leave Switzerland and uh, find yourself in a bit of trouble. Um, it's, definitely, it's definitely the second big, big learning there. Where did you end up? <laughs> Pardon me. Where did you end up? Uh, nowhere too far, thankfully, because somebody said, are oh, you look?" Some it must have been, been athletics fans. So I said, are you, where, "Where are you going to?" And I said, "The hotel." And they're like, "Not on this train. You're not. You're gonna. Uh, you're gonna end up leaving Switzerland in about half an hour time. So you might want to. You might want to turn, get off the train at the next stop, cross over, and, and head your way back towards Zurich." Uh, <laughs> but it could have been. It could have been a. Could have been a lot worse than it was. Cool. Okay. So, and and um, what, what about if the, if the route was a shock to you? Is that, is that something that you? that you've took forward and, and have a look at now? Or... Yeah, definitely. I think I went in uh, with no real prior knowledge. of. I loved loved athletics and loved sport, but no real prior knowledge. Of, you could just Google the course profile, for example, yeah. and you could find the map online and you could have all this information. So yes, definitely. Um, knowing the course is really important. Um, knowing where challenging bits are, if it's hilly, if it has cobbles, if it, you know, any of those sort of little things that might just be enough to flow you throw you off your 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 pattern a little bit uh, yeah. and really important at all levels i think it's important to know that um what the terrain's like and, and do your little, little bit of research beforehand just to make sure that you you are aware of the course that you run on yeah and that i mean i mean these things that you're saying i mean you're, you're talking about competing at you know the highest level really and but these are completely transferable to you know across our community. There's people who will go out and run their first five k's and half marathons, and then they might run for a couple of years and want to run a PB. And the, the things you're talking about are all they're the same things, aren't they? they? They absolutely are. And I think that that idea of being resilient and, and not expecting instant success is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, now I say that I, I ran my first marathon and got and, and things went well, but but I but I didn't start that way when I was a school athlete. Like I very much struggled through things and. And really find it hard, um, and and just to keep coming back and keep showing up and knowing that the beauty of, of running, the beauty of, of athletics is that you tend to get rewarded for what you put in, um, and those rewards come in different things. So for for example, my reward was eventually qualifying for the Olympics. Um, yeah. Other rewards could be the sort of the the emotional feeling that you get, the well being, the progress, the the weight loss, a whole host of things. Five K yeah. PBs, running five K even. And that first time you completed 5k and sort of yeah. taking those successes with you and, and remembering that what you put into to, to run into athletics you'll you'll definitely get back yeah definitely definitely so, so, you, so you've come out of that 
uh, those Euros with with a coach and a, and a lot of learning. So yeah, and you've just you've just touched on the Olympics. So what what happened next? So I I was desperate to run, ironically desperate to run another marathon. And the first thing Andy said is is no, you're not you're not going to do that. You're going to learn to train properly first of all. Yeah. Um, so we sat down and he sent me through my next training block and I and I looked at it and the first thing I thought was I can't do that. There's no way I can do that. It's so different to what I was doing beforehand. The sessions yeah. were faster, the runs were faster, um, the recovery days were there and, and that book was the common theme. I was like, I can definitely do the recovery days. Um, but the rest of the training I just wasn't so sure about. Um so Andy said, Well let's let's go day by day and the regular contact and sort of talk me through it. So there's there were some changes in I probably did a lot of running too easy and I, I need to get the message quite clear that I'm I'm pretty robust. I'm not suggesting everyone just goes and runs faster and that's the way to do it. Yeah. But uh there's definitely we gradually increased the pace of our regular maintenance runs. Um so I was probably doing them as an as an equivalent outside seven minute pace. Um, and Andy sort of said, well, if you want to run your marathon at five minute pace, it's a little bit too far away. Um, yeah. Let's have a look at going a little bit quicker. So now we'd regularly sort of run around about six minute pace for sort of our 10 milers and, and our sort of maintenance runs. But that took time, you know, it was nearly two, two, two to three years before I got that became as comfortable as it, as it is now. Yeah. Uh, so the first thing really was we, we, I learned to train a bit more like a, a bit more like an international marathoner. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I learned to race a little bit like one as well. So my half marathon PB going into Zurich was probably around about, I think it was 67.50 potentially, so just inside 68 minutes. Yeah. Uh, so the first thing Andy said was, well, we need to get that quicker. So I ran in my first season, I ran a, a half marathon PB, 65 flat, 65.0, something in, in Reading. Yeah. Uh, and knew then that that was kind of like a quick win. We took big time off a, off a half marathon PB and that sort of led to the, the second big thing and that was working on my confidence uh, yeah. that I actually deserved to be there and, and that, that I that I worked hard to be there as well so um, yeah. learning the train right and, and, and sort of developing confidence and, and efficacy in, in, in my own ability was probably the, the two big tasks that Andy had that year yeah. um, and I think, he, I think he worked quite well in those and then I ran Berlin Marathon the following September so just over a year after uh, Zurich and ran yeah. 2.14 Wow, okay, so you'd taken five minutes off on Yeah, your five, five to six minutes off uh, yeah. my PB in, in that race um, and that, that was a, it was a really strange day because again, my, my aim was to try to it's a big city marathon, I was never going to be at the front but to be as close to the front as I possibly could Yeah. Um, and just ran barely looked at the splits of, of the watch, I couldn't, I couldn't have told you what 2.14 pace even was. Um, I was just getting into a group and trying to stay in that group for as long as I could. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and work well that day. So, so how did, so you've mentioned some of the changes there. How did it compare in terms of the amount of time that you spent training? Did, did, was, was that the same or different? And how did you fit, how did you fit that in at this point around work? So it was, it was broadly similar. If anything, it, it was a little, it was a little bit shorter. Um, so if I was doing normally doing 10 miles before work in, in 70 minutes, it was now 10 miles in 60 minutes. And it was, so it was, we're talking normal, but, but actually that's short time and enough time to get to sit down and have your porridge in those yeah. 10 minutes rather than, than sprint out the door. So with work in 2015, I took up my first assistant principal role. Um, mm-hmm. So I made it a really busy year for myself. The targets yeah. qualify for the Olympic games and <laughs> take on another new job at school. Um, wow. 
So I, I really did have to think about how I managed that time and where I could yeah. where I could fit training in. So I did a lot of running before work um, early and I tried to get the, the bulk of the running done um, yeah. nice and early. And that, that gave me the, that little bit of extra time in the evening. Um, I never panicked about missing an easy run. Um, so I did my morning run and, and something came up at work and had an easy five miles. So I wouldn't really be panicking about sacrificing that easy five miles if it meant that I was... I had to stay a little bit later on work, but then could come home and have dinner and, and relax and recover. So I paid real yes. close attention to that sort of how I was feeling about things as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the mileage didn't get didn't get crazy. So I think probably 100 for, for that marathon is 100 to 110 maximum. Um, mm-hmm. So it certainly didn't talk about 10 hours really of training in the week. Yeah. Okay. So and how does it how does it work in work in terms of you know, you traveling and and going and going to these events like like the Europeans. Did they did they happen to fall in holidays or I I did that work? Yeah, I've been quite lucky. So they they have fallen during holidays. Um, yeah. The the Olympic Games were in, in August. Zurich was in August. The Commonwealth Games were probably the only one. Yeah. That I, in recent memory that I that I had to take some time off. So the it was run about Easter time. Um, yeah. but the marathon was on the. Would have been the Sunday that we, uh, before we were going back to school on the Monday. So clearly being in Australia, it was going to be quite difficult for me to, to get back. So uh, the, the school and, and, and the governors have been really supportive. Um, mm-hmm. And they said, don't worry, you can have the week, take the week if you need it. You can have that full week off. So they were really, really supportive um, about that. Um, I managed to, we flew back on the Wednesday and I think I landed in the Heathrow at 5 a.m. and Hopped in the car and was back in school by sort of eight thirty. To work on that day, just straight back in. Well, I was kind of thinking like I'm, I'm a little bit tired. I slept on the plane, but I'm okay. And actually, I've been home and probably been sat around drinking drinking coffee. My wife was back at work as well, so I thought, well, I'm, I'm good and I'm and I'm feeling ready to go again. I'm I'm actually excited to get back into the classroom. So uh, yeah. went straight straight to work. That's great that, that that you know they supported you with that. Um, They've been absolutely brilliant. Um, so that was the that was the main sort of big time, but that mm. I need to go. But they have been even even supportive now. So um, I know that potentially if I if I do need to be a little bit later into work, which isn't often because I, I normally run there. But if I'm if I'm running a little bit late, and I say, well, I'm not going to be there at seven thirty. I'm going to be there at eight. Um, yeah. Can someone cover my gate duty, for example? And there's always someone willing to support and help out with that. So got a fantastic team. That's cool. Sorry, I, I made you jump then as well to 2018. So let, let, let's go back. So oh, tell, that's fine. Tell us about qualifying for, for Rio. Yeah, so it was uh, it was quite an early qualification. So I qualified in the September um, and, and sat kind of as the fastest hours qualifier, uh, waiting, just waiting and hoping that people... I'm, I'm a big fan of the marathon. I'm a big fan of running. So anytime somebody's running the marathon, I want to go as super well for them. I want them to do really well in it. Because I know the yeah. sacrifices that people uh, go through when they train yeah. for a marathon. I'm kind of thinking, I don't want anyone to run badly. I just don't want them to run as well as I did um, so that I can yeah. keep my qualification spot. So from September until April, really, I'm not really sure as to whether or not that was going to be fast enough to, call, to actually go to, to, what, what to Rio. Did you run? What did you run and where? What was you? So I ran 2.14 in Berlin. How was your Berlin? Yeah, time? that was Berlin. Yeah, so I ran 2.14 in Berlin. Um, and I knew that after Berlin, you have quite a few sort of autumn marathons and then right through to London in the spring. Yeah. So every time a marathon was on, you were thinking, is is this the one where an Irish guy is going to go quicker? 
Um, and an Irish marathon at that stage had sort of started to gain momentum and gain a little bit of revival. So in Berlin, for example, we had uh, four guys inside 2.15.30 yeah. in that race. Uh, and, and that was four, four, four guys. Given that in 2014, uh, our fastest guy had run 2.17. So we're, yeah. there was definitely beginning to notice a nice upsurge in, in, in marathon running in Ireland, and whereby I was delighted. I really am a big fan of Irish athletics, but I was also a bit apprehensive as to whether or not my time was going to be enough to, to get me there. Yes, that was a long time for you to wait on it as well. It was, really. it was quite some time, and I can remember where I can remember I was sat in a coffee shop in uh, in in Loughborough when the call came through from the head of athletics Ireland, basically saying there's an embargo. You can't tell anyone. But the yeah. selection's been confirmed, um, and we'll let you know when you can do like a media thing, or you, when you can tell tell you can tell your family obviously, but just tell them to keep keep it relatively quiet for a while. Yeah. Um, so, so you want to scream it from the rooftops? It's, I'm I was going to say yeah, in the middle of the Olympics, but I had to keep it quiet for a little bit longer. You, you didn't jump up in the middle of the coffee shop, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, re- I re- resisted the urge. I had a cup of coffee in my hand, and and we all know how precious that is. It certainly wasn't going to spill it. <laughs> We had a question about coffee, actually. What, why is this with coffee? Let me just check. Where was that? How many coffees is too many in one day? From Rob Pooley. I don't. Think, <laughs> Rob, I don't think. I don't think there is. I don't think there's a right answer to that. I don't think there is too much. Is there? Maybe some some nutritionists listening right now are going to get on at me and say you've, you're probably drinking too much. But uh, I'd say like on a on a on a school morning, I have my my coffee machine flicks on at five forty a.m. Yeah. and I've had two cups before I'm running at five. At just inside six so i don't know if that's a good start to the day for me it is i don't know whether or not that, that would be everyone's dream start to the day um most people's man. yeah so multiple is the answer to that question <laughs> so t- t- tell us about rio uh it was uh I, I always look back and think how, how grateful i am um to go and to, to get the opportunity to go to brazil in the first place was was incredible but the experiences when I was there. So we, we spent a bit of time in, in a province called Uberlandia city. It's one of the, the sort of one of the bigger cities um, mm-hmm. in, in Brazil um, on at a holding camp and met some wonderful people there. Um, yeah. Great experiences and, and athletics Ireland did everything possible to make us feel comfortable and, and, and enjoy it. So we went for a run one day and they took us out in some really nice trails. It almost like, it looks like you're sort of dirt trails in Kenya. Um, yeah. But the difference was that we had um, an armed patrol in front of us. So you had a guy in a four by four with three uh, armed men in the back of this four by four, escorting us around this run. So he carried our water bottles, and they were able to fire the water bottles back through the water bottles back to us and stuff. So it was very surreal uh, being there, but it was an incredible experience. We then, so we we dropped, we went down to Rio, sort of a week out from the from the marathon. Uh, so we're in the village for for around about a week. Um, and, and, I, and I know people try and describe it, but it's incredible. The village is just a remarkable sort of place. There's more or less nothing that you cannot get in the village. So you need your, I mean, everything from a McDonald's, if that's what you're interested in, through to your, your amazing coffees and PlayStation rooms and everything. So it was a really great experience um, overall, not just in terms of sporting experience. And then, of course, the race itself Yeah. Um, was just I, I, it's hard to describe. I was on the, I was on the start line, still pinching myself, not believing that here I am, this teacher from 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 Leicester, well from Belfast, via Leicester, uh, stood on the start line of the the Olympic Games, which is very surreal. 
Yeah, amazing. What was what was it like walking out in the um opening ceremony? Uh, so I actually we we missed the opening ceremony. Um, yeah, we missed that because we were so we were in we were at holding camp for that still during that stage, um, a couple of thousand kilometers away. Um, but it's something that if I'm really fortunate and I, I'm touching wood right now and and I'm 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 lucky enough to be selected for Tokyo, then it's something I would like to to be able to do to say yes. that I've done it because all the other experiences were were marvelous. Yeah. Any any stories from inside the camp? Um, <laughs> no, I'm not sure if there's there's any we can share on this. Maybe maybe we'll have a chat chat, chat afterwards uh, <laughs> about that. No, uh, nothing nothing too scandalous, I promise. Um, very very few. So, so and uh, what was your time in Rio? I, again, it was another two twenty. Yeah. Um, but it was very hot and very humid. Now we were really lucky. We were, our conditions weren't as harsh as the girls were the week. The, the ladies race, uh, sorry, was the, the week before. Yeah. Um, but it was still thirty degrees and hundred percent humidity, so it was really it was tough, tough conditions. Um, I probably would have liked to go a little bit quicker, and I, I think I got a few things wrong in my in my race plan, and maybe didn't execute it quite the way I, sh- I would have liked. Um, but it was still an incredible experience. Yeah, I, I mean, how do you even? We say acclimatize, but how can you acclimatize to 100% humidity? You know, in- I don't know that you can. I don't know that yeah. you can. You can certainly prepare for the conditions, and and by getting us there uh, nearly a month early, um, mm. we, you know, Felix Ireland certainly tried, and Sport Ireland certainly tried to, to get us used to that. Um, yeah. We were training in 36 degrees heat some days, and um, we had all sorts of sports science support from from hydration tests through to lactate tests and, and all sorts of stuff going on so we really get our best to prep for it but unfortunately in the day when you when you kind of the temperatures change and the, the environment changes yeah. a little bit for the worse and um, it's really hard to get, to get used to that you just can't that's where your race plan really needs to be needs to be spot on um and and even making those last minute adjustments with confidence to make that race plan um to execute that race plan properly so that that's kind of adaptability of it yeah cool but then the next big, the next big games for you was was that Australia? Yeah, it was the, the Commonwealth Games in Australia. Um, I was that, prepping for that when we talk about acclimatization. Was was funny because I spent the full time really prepping in in, in the UK at Loughborough, and of course we had a lot of snow that year. So I I, I one week was doing a a twenty miler in the snow and and sleet, and then. A week later was in the Gold Coast where it was 30 degrees and shorts and t-shirt. It was so, so surreal. So the, the hop between the two and the conditions between, between the two. Um, but again, Athletics Northern Ireland were, were wonderful and they, they got us out there nice and early. Uh, I was there because of school. I couldn't go quite as early as I would have liked, but we broke up on the Friday and, I, and we flew out on the Sunday. So it was as quick as we possibly could, uh, which gave me about two weeks really before the race. Uh, enough time to to do one or two sort of key sessions uh, and get used to the heat, but it certainly felt like it, it was taking us time. I was, I can remember doing a session on the first sort of week and thinking this is tough, and then getting halfway through the second week and then we're sort of like five or six days out from the race and I'm thinking I still don't feel quite right, and then the very next day, doing my final session, it just clicked and I was like right, I'm, I actually feel like I'm really good to go here, um, which was a nice confidence boost three or four days before the race. How do you deal with 
it, the mental side of the game. So in, in the run-up to before that final session where things just clicked, how do you, you handle that when you're first out there? I think uh, I think I, 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 was, I was just really grateful in the first instance to be there. So I had to remind myself how privileged I was um, and how lucky I was to be in the Gold Coast. Um, you know, I, I never really envisaged myself being that side of the world. Um, mm-hmm. And there I was in Australia about to run uh, a marathon. So about to do something that I really wanted to do and, and really loved doing. So I think the mental setup becomes a little bit easier when you conceptualize it and put it all in context. Um, again, mm-hmm. I, I, I was teaching in, in Loughborough two weeks before that, and here I am about to go on the start line against some of the some of the best athletes in, in the Commonwealth. Um, and it's remembering that I, I am really grateful and I am really privileged and really lucky. There's a lot of people who would love to have this experience, but I, I have it, so I, I feel I owe it to them and to myself to really enjoy that. And I think that makes the mental side of it a little bit easier to handle. It doesn't mean I don't get nervous and it doesn't mean that I um, I don't fret a little bit about it. I think everyone does, but it just helps me put it all in a little bit of perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. So, to, and then tell us about the race then, because I know that was a good one for you, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was. So I, I, I kind of had a game plan beforehand. I, I looked, it was like, it's going to be 30 degrees, maybe slightly warmer. So mm-hmm. again, I went back to my, my little Google friend and spoke with Andy and, and we both sort of looked at what what pace, what, what did I think I could run? So if it, in, if it was in the UK, what sort of time did I think I could run? And we're sort of saying, we think that from training, somewhere around about 2.12 to 2.13. Uh, yeah. If it was sort of British type weather, 14 degrees and, 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 and quite a nice nice day, uh, it wasn't going to be that. So we had a look at well, what, what might that mean if the temperatures are really hot. And it was somewhere around about, depending on, on how hot it got, somewhere around about 2.20 again. That, that famous number is popping back up, but somewhere around about 2.20, 2.21. So I knew that was around about 5.20 per mile or 3, 3.20-ish per kilometre. So I just set off at that pace. Um, mm-hmm. And actually on the morning of the race, it was hotter than that. It was, it was well into the mid-30s um, by, by the race sort of start time. And it was quite yeah. early. So... I, I set out at that kind of pace and that rhythm and I, I didn't really pay attention to what everyone else was doing. I was quite lucky because they started out quite slow for them for the first 5K anyway. So got to 5K and I was buying on three 320 pace um, and was just inside 70 minutes at halfway, which mm-hmm. again was around about 70 minutes, which is again about 320. So I've been fairly even splitting. Um, yeah. At halfway, I was, I think I was somewhere in the mid 30s, somewhere in the 30s, maybe high 20s at halfway. But then when I turned and started to come back, so it was kind of like the out and back bit of the course. When I turned and started to come back, I'd suddenly see people getting a little bit closer. So I started passing people, but I was running yeah. the same pace. So I was still running around about 320 per K, 520 per mile. So it was still the mm-hmm. same sort of rhythm all the way through. And suddenly I was passing big groups of people uh, and the heat had really started to take its effect on people. Uh, so I just kept going at my own little sort of my rhythm that I knew I, from the start, I was like, I think I can I can keep this going for the, for the full distance. Um, kept checking, kept sort of having a look every kilometer just to make sure I wasn't getting carried away. And um, by about sort of 20 miles, I'd lost track of how many, of where I was. And I sort of tried to count and I'd lost track of where I was. So in my head, I was probably top 15. It yeah. turns out I was probably more like top eight at that stage. Um, okay. And then coming, coming into the final 5K, 
some people are shouting from the side of the side of the road. You you could you could get a medal. You could get a medal. Just some some Australian people watching the race, and I was like, I, I think I'm probably eighth place, maybe. Like, I'd have to pass quite a few people. And then with about two or three k to go, I kind of realised that the group in front of me were the medals, um, and they were just a little bit too far, and they were still running really well, so they were still going to maintain maintain their pace. So I I tried to chase it a little bit and didn't quite get there, so ended up finishing fourth place. But I think. Uh, Afterwards, my I, I like I said I, I I won fourth place there, and I think I did because I was I was ranked outside the top twenty, um, mm. and to come away with the fourth place and to run the kind of the race plan that I that I knew I could do, um, was 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 kind of you know really good in its own. So did that? Do you feel like it did all just click? Like you said in that last that last training session that day, or? Yeah, I think so. I think that was just the I. I think my body at that stage had been there long enough and it kind of just got used to the conditions and used to the heat. Um, mm-hmm. And importantly, I guess at that stage, I'd started to reduce what I was doing. I'd come from, I'd come from the UK where I was, you know, I was running 110 miles a week in the snow. Um, mm-hmm. And I'd gone out to Australia where I was down around about sort of 70, 80 miles a week in the sunshine. So I think my body mm-hmm. just kind of recovered the right time as part of it. Uh, it's meant the taper went quite well. But, but also it just clicked. I think I just... Everything just fell into place in terms of the physiology of it. So getting used to the heat and my body coping and dealing with the heat. Um, yeah. And the pace began to feel a little bit smoother. Um, so, yeah, I think it just literally just got lucky to click at the right time. And, and what time did you come in on that? Around 2.19 and a bit, 2.19 high. So I kind of, I think I was more or less even splits. So I think my there was one second or two second difference between my first kilometre and my middle kilometre and my last kilometre. So yeah, I, I got quite quite a good rhythm there. Yeah. But then you, you finished the race, you got on the plane, you were back in work at nine o'clock the next morning. <laughs> yeah, flew straight back in. Yep, a long haul flight. It was quite nice. Uh, had a little bit of sleep and some, some burgers at the airport. Uh, and yeah. then, uh, yeah, back back in work for breakfast. What, what was that like when you went and sat at your, at your, at your desk considering, you know, I know it's a long flight from Australia, but with it, you know, the prior forty-eight hours you're on the start line of a of a race like that, and then two days later you back back in work. It was it was a bit surreal, and um, I think I was still kind of half on cloud nine from it all, so I still had that kind of running running on emotions, you know, kind of yeah. like the the energy that was feeding from the race itself and and it going well. So I was still still fueled by the energy from that, uh, fueled by a lot of strong coffee. And uh, and then once you get back into school, the kids are really excited, and they, they were great. And um, BBC came and did a little bit that day as well, and it was it was really really nice. But then they kind of put things into perspective. It's like the excitement drops for them, and then they're like, oh, so what's for homework? And everything's just moved on. So it was quite it was quite nice. It was quite refreshing just to enjoy the moment while at the start, and then just get on with being back and doing what I love to do in school. Yeah, kids, kids are good at that, aren't they? They're brilliant. Just putting things. If you have a good session and you think everything's great, and then the, the kids can put it in the perspective. You had a bad day or a bad race, and you go into school and you think, actually, in in in, in real life terms, it's not that important. Uh, when you when you talk to some of the children. So, so what? Where, where was your head at then? Then did we we immediately on uh, trying to get to Tokyo or what? Uh, so that was in that was uh, that must have been so. March or April. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so I had after that, I had a, m- a month really to kind of 
recover, uh, turn it round again, and get ready to go in the European Championships in Berlin. Uh, yep. So European Marathon Champs were in Berlin that year. Yep. Uh, hopefully you didn't hear the dog barking in the background. Uh, European, yeah, right. European Marathon, Marathon Champs were in Berlin that year. So I had a little bit of time just to turn things around and, and then try, try to get ready to go again. Yeah. No, it's not gone again. No, I, I can hear you now. Can you hear me okay? Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I thought it had gone again there. Oh, no, back in, back in. So, yeah, the dog was barking away in the background. Um, so, yeah, European champs were next on the, was on the agenda then in, 20, in 2018. Yeah. Cool. So, one second, sorry. I'm just going to make a note of where we're up to. No, that's grand. Tell us about the Euros then. Yeah, so... Um, again, the middle of, middle of the summer, which is um, never particularly particularly nice in, in any European country. So uh, we got really lucky again. The in in the ten k was the week before us, and I think they had an, at eight pm nine pm at night, uh, well into the thirty degrees. So it was always going to be a hot championships, um, and for us it was probably more like twenty five. So coming from Australia, three months earlier. And racing in 36, 25 was quite refreshing, quite nice. Um, yeah. But still required a pretty sensible race plan. Cool. And and, and how did you get on in, in the Euros that year? So I was 15th in Euros uh, that yeah. summer. So I'd gone from, in 2014, I was 38 uh, and around uh, 217, 216 in, in uh, Berlin, European Championships in 2018. We finished 15th, 15th place. So a little bit of an improvement. Um, again, it was it was very much. I was maybe outside the top fifty, um, at halfway, and then just picking things off and moving through sensibly in the second half, uh, through through the fifteenth. So, so I, I I think I read I read one of your interviews. I think it was um, twenty eighteen, and you said in one of them that you that you didn't do any you don't do any strength training or you haven't up until that point. Yeah, so I, uh, I I did very did very little strength training. Um, certainly didn't do huge amounts before then, um, and, I, and I'm starting to really program it in now. I think it's really important. Um, I could run a lot and uh, wasn't getting injured and was staying relatively robust. So it was kind of got the stage where I, I I'm now at the stage where I can I, I can run and I can I can run all day probably, but to get yeah. that a little bit extra, I'm not I'm probably not going to get it from from running alone. So I'm trying to build in some strength and condition into the program, but yeah, until 2018, I did did zero. Um, once I went out to Australia, I actually had a few problems with my quads. Um, yeah. Probably caused from uh, the snow here and my glutes doing a lot of the work and kind of just offset things a little bit. So I made a promise to the physios out there that a I would get more physiotherapy because until 2018, uh, I never had a massage, uh, and b that I would start to incorporate a little bit of strength and conditioning into my training program just to try to find those little bit of that little bit of extra potentially in the latter yeah. stages of the marathon yeah it's it's amazing again because you know a lot a lot of our community 
it's a it's a common thing that will come up that people that runners just don't stress train because they just they either just don't fit it in or they just they just love to run. Um, so it, it's it's uh, it's good to hear you saying that you you know you didn't have a massage until twenty eighteen and that you only you know. And I, and I, and I hear the struggle. Anymore. I feel I feel the struggle as well. So what what we did here in the summer yeah. was we like we had a, we well I certainly didn't do as much gym last year as I planned to do. Um, and I could make all sorts of excuses for myself, but um, excuses don't really work when you're at mile 22. And, uh, you know, you can tell yourself all the excuses you want, but it's not going to make your performance any better on that day. So um, I kind of eliminated the excuses by during the summer, we converted our garage into a gym. I learned how to put up some some plasterboard and, and uh, yeah, we converted, put down some, some nice flooring and uh, converted into a gym. So we've now got the gym at home. So I have literally yeah. no excuses now, uh, not to be out there and and to really take care of those things. And is that something that your your coach encourages you to do as well, or is it does he focus specifically on your run? So yeah, Andy Andy focuses on the the things that are going to make us better athletes, and for each mm. of us athletes, that could be a different sort of thing. So uh, we've got some of some of Andy's group are really good at strength and conditioning, and for them, mm. their focus might be a little bit more on their speed work or their, their endurance. And uh, for me, my endurance is, is pretty strong. My speed work needs a little bit of work, but but my focus on, on gym and actually getting that routine uh, is important. So yeah, I get reminded to, to make sure that I am doing my bits of S&C and my stretching and routines uh, yeah. through it in the week. And more importantly, I might, I might get in the recovery out massage to help me recover um, because I'm still maybe a bit more, a bit neglectful on that as well. So, all, all of these things combined, I, I, I mean, I've looked at your, your your last few tweets, and this this year has been particularly good, hasn't it, for you? Of of all these, do you feel all these things combined, and you know, just experience now is all it's all coming together in terms of you running? Um, I think so. I think I find that I find the enjoyment again, and I think you can track back to where that enjoyment really sort of started the show and that fire was really lit because the performance started to improve. And it's, it's like we said at the start, if you enjoy doing something, then it's hard not to get better to get better at it. But 2020 has been particularly, it's been a very difficult year for, for a lot of people. And a lot of people have taken to physical activity and running. It's one of those sports that you open up the front door and put on your trainers and you, you can join. Everyone uh, can join in uh, with, with a little bit of running. Um, but for me, 2020 has been challenging in its own ways with school and yeah. running really has become a solace in that and it led to some some good performances so i opened up 2020 with a pb in the marathon yeah. in seville and i kind of closed yeah. it i say closed it i'm not sure what the next sort of four to six weeks might hold but closed it with a 62 minute half marathon pb in in uh, in poland two weekends ago so yes. it's been a it's been a challenging year in its own right but it's also been i kind of have to look and celebrate the successes that it did happen this year. Yeah, I mean, you must be pleased with that with, with those times. I mean, two two ten, you've took, you know, that, that that's a big PB, isn't it? Yeah, so I two ten in in Seville and and even sixty two. So sixty two was just a little PB. I say sixty two. I should probably be a bit more fair to low sixty two runners and tell everyone it was sixty two fifty eight. So I did <laughs> I dipped just inside it to sixty three, yeah. but. Uh, so it was a little PB. My, my 6305 was my PB before that. So mm-hmm. slight PB over the, the half, but you got to celebrate all those every second, really. Um, you know, we don't yeah. always run PBs, so it's nice to, to celebrate them when you do. 
yeah definitely so so how how's this year changed for you because obviously tokyo has been moved back a year and what what does this what's this year look like and how does the next six months look like you know for you uh so i'm i'm, I'm quite lucky at, you know, I, I said i'd moved jobs so i started a new school and mm-hmm. that's been a nice welcome distraction um in some ways so it kind of keeps yeah. the year stable um mm-hmm. you know I, i'd go to school monday to friday and sort of build any training camps that i would have done and we aren't doing it at the minute, but build that around the school holidays. So that framework's yeah. still there, and that sort of framework provides me the, the routines every day. Um, so training is very much focused on um, getting stronger. Um, now I will spend a little bit of time getting a little bit quicker, trying to lower the 10K uh, PV, and hope that some races return to, to run that PV. Um, yeah. And then sort of once Christmas comes around, just into the new year, we'll start to think about what we can do to add value to performance if, if we get selected for Tokyo. So for me, that's going to be very much that, that routine of the strength and conditioning, adding that into the program um, while building back in some decent long mileage uh, and making sure that I'm aerobically quite strong too. Uh, so in terms of in terms of the year, the, the structure will very much follow what we'd have done last year. Um, yeah, I would have liked to run another marathon, but it's just hard to commit to something uh, and work around it, knowing that it might not, that might not happen. Uh, yeah. Marathons may not actually go ahead. So I would have liked to run one, but I'm happy to hopefully save the best performance uh, for for Tokyo. Yeah, 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 definitely. Well, let me let me check what other what other questions we got asked over on Twitter. There was a there was a couple more yeah. from uh, from the community that wanted to. Wanted to ask you. Yes, it was. Uh, oh, what was? What's your opinion on the Nike shoes? Do you feel it gives athletes an unfair advantage? Um, an, an unfair advantage. Uh, there's definitely athletics has been quite slow in some ways to embrace the technology. Um, mm-hmm. cycling and swimming and other sports have been quite welcoming. Um, yeah. and running is a sim- should be a simple sport. Um, and that everyone should be able to access the same shoes. Um, and shouldn't be priced out of the market and accessing those shoes. So I can see why there may be a perception of, of it being slightly unfair on, on other athletes, but um, they definitely help, but they aren't going to run the marathon for you um, or run the race for you, should I say. I may not be talking about marathons. So um, I've, run in, I've run in a few different brands and a few different shoes. I'm, I'm not sponsored and not contracted. So um, I've been able to sort of try different brands and try different shoes. And the, yep. the market's becoming a lot closer together. So there are other brands that are releasing carbon-plated shoes and, and, and sort of shoes with relatively high stack heights. So the market is becoming much more competitive um, and kind yep. of drawn that, that any advantage that may have been there is coming a little bit closer together. But it's also, I think it's important that people or athletes, as much as anyone else, realize that you need to do the training. Um, and the shoe isn't gonna isn't gonna run the race for you. It's certainly going to help with the potentially in the latter stages of the marathon. But if you haven't done the training, you'll still find things incredibly difficult later on. Mm-hmm. Cool. Where's your favourite training camp destination from Stu Spencer? That oh, it's, I mean, uh, so I I've got two sort of favourite places, and they're both very close together. There's a place called the Rio Segura, um, and that's in Torrevieja. Um, so I'm really lucky that uh, a good friend of mine owns Casa Carrera, um, which is a sort of training 
set of houses. Let's say houses now, he's got two. Uh, just outside Tor- uh, just in Torrevieja, which is a wonderful place to go. Uh, and the, the trails there are fantastic. So there's one called the Yellow Brick Road, is the second favourite one, um, yeah. which is a, a kind of a short sand trail, runs along the Pink Lakes. Uh, it's, a, it's as nice as it sounds, really. Um, and then, yeah, the Rio Segura, which is incredible. It's 180 kilometres of sort of trail, flat trail and cycle paths. Uh, that runs yep. from Mercia City right through to the coast. Um, so probably there they'd be my two favourite sort of places to go. Brilliant. What's your what's your favourite non running hobby? Favourite non running hobby? Uh, yeah. I, I shouldn't say this too loud because Andy will be, be listening. But I still love still love playing a bit of football. Uh, yeah. Although I don't play, I should point out that I haven't played in quite some time. But up until <laughs> sort of twenty sixteen twenty seventeen, I was still playing quite a lot of football. Uh, five-a-side leagues and things like that um, until um, I got told in no uncertain terms that it's probably not the best thing for, for the lead athlete or an international athlete to, to do. Um, so that's probably my favourite, but I don't get to do it quite as much um, yeah. as, I, as I used to. Have you, who's, your, who's your team? Who do you follow? Uh, I'm an Arsenal fan, actually. So it's uh, it's been okay. it's been a long, a hard couple of seasons for us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, Arteta's done a good job since he's come in and made some good signings. I think Partey might be a good signing for Arsenal. Some, some very, some very good signings. We just needed to click a little mm. bit more. And I, I tell yeah. you, Arteta looks like he could still, could still play a bit. Yes, yeah, very good. Well, um, other questions we had was, what's your favourite? Have you got a favourite series on Netflix or Prime or anything you'd recommend for people? Oh, uh, I've just finished watching The Good Doctor. Um, oh, it's a very yeah, good, yeah. very good show. I'm not sure if you've seen it. No, I have. I've got it recorded. For, I have got it recorded in my Sky Planner, but I am yet to press play. On Highly it, so. recommended. Really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to make it sound like I watch lots of Netflix. I genuinely don't. But um, Blacklist is another one. Yeah. Um, another really good show where yeah, I definitely recommend either of those two. But I promise I don't watch huge amounts. That was that was a summer watching. Cool. Favorite film and favorite book. They're the last two. Oh. Um. <laughs> I'm a big Grisham fan, um, so it's hard to it's hard to really pick between any of the Grisham books. So I'm not going to commit too much to to one, but I'm a huge Grisham fan. I can really rec- recommend uh, picking up a Grisham novel if you want something that's not sport related and something a little different. Um, yeah. Favorite film? That's a tough one. That is a tough one. I'm still a big it fan is. of some of the old favorites. So the the Green Mile, for example, uh, a big fan yeah. of, of of that. I haven't seen a film in, the, in recently, so if anybody's got any recommendations of one that I that I really should go and watch and it's a bit more recent, then uh, feel free to to ping them into me. But um, yeah, not not I wouldn't be a huge movie fan in general, but Green Mile probably the probably my still my all time favorite. Yeah, it's a good one. I I've recently been watching a couple of the um the older films. We watched Saving Private Ryan actually last weekend, which is another great one with Tom Hanks. But cool. Well, look, I. I think it's time to wrap it up. Thanks very much for your um for your time this evening. It's been it's been great speaking with you and even about your journey. And um, I'm look, really looking forward to seeing what uh, hopefully that the events go ahead and um, and and seeing how the next twelve months goes for you. Yeah, no, th- thank you very much for having me. And and uh, hopefully, uh, like you say, the, the the games and stuff do go ahead and. Uh, uh, I should say and hopefully I get selected as well so if people want to do want to follow the journey yeah. then they, they know where to find me on social media they can come along and, and follow me on it 
Yeah, so give, just give us all your handles again, just so everybody can follow along. Yeah, and, and both, both probably similar. Comment. So at KevRunning2016. Um, and you're more than welcome. To, and that's Instagram and, and Twitter. I've just started with Instagram. So if anybody's got any tips as well on how to use it, it's quite new to me. So uh, feel free to, <laughs> to offer me any advice you have. Cool. Well, I'm sure there'll be a few people <laughs> following it. We'll drop you some messages about that. Thanks ever so much, Kev. It's been there. Uh, been great chatting that's brilliant thank you very much for having me cheers thank you